If you would, turn your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 1. First book of the Bible. We start our series here in the book of Genesis today. We're going to be taking this series the month of September and October. Every single week, we'll be walking through this book. And today, we start at the beginning with creation. Now, if you were here for Vacation Bible School, and if you were an adult that was here and you heard Brian Young speak, and then we had the breakout sessions, one of those breakout sessions, I took the time to walk through Genesis chapter 1 with a little bit into chapter 2, and we covered a lot of ground in regards to creation. And I thought, you know, here I, again, you know, a month later, I'm going to be preaching again on creation. And so, God, give me something new to say so that it's not just the same thing I said at VBS. And so I will tell you, if you want to hear that message, it's online. You can find it by going to our website. And in the midst of that, you can, you can walk through a more detailed look at Genesis chapter 1. What I feel led today is to kind of do a flyover of chapter 1 and zoom in more on chapter 2. And as the Lord was uh, just helping me with this message... I believe that I'm supposed to focus on the breath of God that is at work in the midst of creation and what that means for us today. And so we're going to be looking at some in Genesis 1, but also in Genesis 2. We're going to bounce around a little bit, too, to some other chapters in the Bible. But as we launch now into Genesis, you'll notice in, in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God created and I know there's a lot of different views on that in our culture, but if you believe God and you take him at his word, verse 1 says it all. In the beginning, God created. As you walk through chapter 1, you see these days and a lot of activity that's happening. In day 1, you see light. Day 2, you see this expanse and and now we have this water above, water below, and the expanse in between. And day three, God starts to arrange things that there's going to be land and seas, and the water recedes out into different areas, and there's also vegetation that begins to grow. Day four, there's now light bearers, or the sun, the moon, the stars. And day five, you see fish and you see birds come into the equation. And day six, you see more animals being made, but one of the things you see in day six is God creates humanity. He creates Adam, he creates Eve on day six. And lastly, the Bible says that on day seven, God rested. He rested from his work. And the Bible says that this creation was very good. And one thing to emphasize is I know that we are in a culture that likes to attack Genesis chapter 1 and 2 and say that uh, that's not quite how this storyline goes. And they'll even kind of blend it in with Scripture and say, well, you know, it's, you know God was still at work, but we're going to stretch this out to millions and billions of years and all of that stuff. But if you start to unpack the words here, when the Bible says that there was a day for each of these, there was morning, there was evening, the first day, that word day, yom, means a literal solar 24-hour day. God did this in seven days. 
Technically six, counting the one day that he rested. I don't know what you did this week, but I'm guessing it doesn't even scratch the surface to that. But you think about the magnitude of what he's done. It's powerful. If you focus in on Genesis chapter 2, if you look at verse 4, the Bible says, this is the account. This is the account of the creation of the heavens and the earth. You can believe culture. You can believe the theories, the things that are taught in the secular school systems, colleges. But if you want to take God at his word, it says it right there. This is the account. You either believe him or you don't. You either take him at his word or you don't. God tells us how it all started, and we see that in Genesis chapter 1. When you roll into chapter 2, it's a zoomed-in look at day 6. Sometimes people look at that, it can, be, it can seem confusing, like there was two different creations going on. And I want you to understand, chapter 2 is a zoomed-in look at day 6. Day 6 is where there were animals and there were humans. And so looking at that, picking up in verse 4, read with me. It says, When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, neither wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth, for the Lord God had not yet sent rain to water the earth, and there were no people to cultivate the soil. Instead, springs came up from the ground and watered all the land. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life, into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. And the Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. And in the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The setting here is the Garden of Eden, this, this place considered as an oasis. And in the Greek translation, this is called paradisos, which sounds a lot like paradise. And Adam was to cultivate in this paradise, and he was to keep the garden. He had a job to do. Even before sin entered the equation, Adam had work to do. And picking up in verse 15, it says, The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it, but the Lord God warned him, You may freely eat the, tree, eat the fruit of the tree in the garden, of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if you eat its fruit, you are surely going to die. Then the Lord God said this, It is not good for the man to be alone. And I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. And he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But still, there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. 
And while the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. And then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. And this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. But they felt no shame. One thing I said in the midweek that we're covering here is we see creation. We're going to focus on the breath of God. But one thing that you've got to understand in this passage too is that God creates an institution. And that's marriage. And from the beginning, you see how God's designed this. Another area that our culture likes to pick at, likes to say is old-fashioned or outdated. And in the midst of that, we look and say, we take God at his word. And we look at this marriage. Marriage is an institution created by God. It's ordained by God. And the family unit, it's the it's the most important institution on the earth. The power of the family and the, the presence of mom and dad and working together as they raise their kids. God's design. Verse 24, the word says, the two shall become one. And God's goal in marriage is oneness. The bond of unity is growing stronger each and every season. Yes, because of sin in this world, there's going to be times where it's going to be a difficult road for relationships. And maybe there's times in, in relationships where there's just been things that have happened and, and marriages that have split and all of that. And I want you to know God, God knows those things. And you're not too far gone if that stuff has happened to you. Because of God's grace and because of his redemption, he can still work in your situation, no matter what has happened. But you can't ignore God's design and his desire for man and woman to be one in marriage. The Bible also says that they were naked and they had no shame. Have you ever noticed how a little child can run around completely naked and not even care? No care in the world. This last week, I uh, designed a football field in my backyard, Chicago Bears C. I don't even really want to talk about the Bears right now, though, so we'll just let that be. And Judah has this costume, mask, cape, you name it. And Brady and I were in the house, and Judah went outside, and some kids had walked by through the alley, and... And we like your football field. And he was talking to him. And they, luckily, they had left and gone off. And he was standing out in the field. The next thing we know, he is out in the middle of the field. You can probably fill in the blanks here, okay? And he was watering my field. <laughs> there was no shame. No shame. We're dying laughing, you know, like a kid. 
No embarrassment. They're not even aware of that. Just as Adam and Eve were not embarrassed about their nakedness, there was no shame. In marriage, God's design is that there is no guilt. There is no shame. But to do that, you have to live with integrity and you have to live with an innocence in your marriage. The issue, though, is that sin beats against marriages each and every day. And there's guilt and there's shame, there's frustration, there's pain and there's strain in the marriage and also in people's relationship with God. There's pornography, there's emotional affairs, physical affairs, and they all take their toll on marriage. But there's other things that take their toll too, things like pride and selfishness and a lack of grace and, and conditional love as opposed to unconditional. And there's disrespect. God's design is no shame in marriage. God's design is unity. Just like the unity of the Trinity. And you also see that in creation. Genesis 1, 26, God said, let us make man in our image to be like us. You have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit present at creation. The Bible tells us that Jesus, the Word of God, in John chapter 1, was in the beginning. And he was with God and he was God. And through Jesus all things were made. Colossians 1 tells us that for in Jesus all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Jesus and for Jesus. He is before all things and in Christ all things hold together. Christ was present at creation. In Psalm 33, verse 6, you see, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. Now, if I said that there's the Father, there's the Son, and now you see the Holy Spirit, the breath of God. That word breath comes from a Hebrew word called ruacha. And it means air in motion. Breath or life or, or spirit. And you see right out the gate in verse 2 of chapter 1, the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep, but the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. In Genesis chapter 2, you see that the Lord formed man from the dust of the ground and he breathed breath into his nostrils, this breath of life, and the man became a living being. As God speaks, it takes breath to speak. You see the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, Jesus, active in creation. And you see this breath of God happening at creation, and you also see it happening 
throughout history. Doing a study on this, I was just floored and just like, this is so awesome to see how the breath of God is at work. If you fast forward a few chapters into the story of Noah, you know about the flood. The flood happens, and here's all this water that's, in, that's just covering the earth, the entirety of the earth, all of this water, and there the ark sits, floating. And the Bible says that God, he sent a wind over the earth, and the waters receded. That wind, that breath. In Exodus, when you see Moses leading the Israelites, and they're up against the wall, if you will, or up against the Red Sea, and they don't know where to go, and everybody's going, we could have just died in Egypt rather than out here. Why'd you lead us here? And as we read Exodus 14, the Bible says that Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back, and they were able to cross. And then as the Egyptians were crossing, God caused the sea to come back over and wipe out the Egyptians. If you go one chapter more into Exodus 15, as they sing this song of worship for what God did for them, they say that God, by the blast of his nostrils, the water piled up. The breath of God at work. And once they crossed, in verse 10 it says, Then you blew with your breath, and the sea went back around and swallowed up the Egyptians. Can you see the breath of God? Fast forward to Ezekiel 37. And the prophet Ezekiel is sitting at this place where there's a valley and it's filled with dead and dry bones. And God says, prophesy to the wind. And there's this wind and breath that goes over those bones and God brings them to life. And this is a prophetic sign of what's to come when Christ is here and people are getting saved and their hearts are becoming new. And you see that fulfilled in John chapter 3 when Jesus is speaking with Nicodemus and he's going, what does it mean to, to have the kingdom of heaven in my life? And, and Jesus tells him, you know, it, it, it's, you need to be born again. And the Holy Spirit is the one who does that work and he's like wind and we don't know where it's coming or where it's going but he comes and he works in people's hearts and lives and he gives them that new heart that Ezekiel prophesied about in chapter 37. And then when Jesus was with his disciples after he was resurrected and he goes to visit them and they're blown away by what they're seeing, this resurrected Savior and the Bible says that Jesus, he said, Receive my Holy Spirit, and he breathed on them. And you see the work that God is doing, not just in creation, but you're seeing it in the lives of people, in their hearts. And you fast forward to the day of Pentecost when Jesus had ascended into heaven and the church is waiting for power as Jesus told them to go and wait. And the Bible says that there's this mighty rushing wind that sweeps through the room and there's power that is given to the disciples to go and tell people about Jesus Christ. The breath of God in creation and here today through the presence and the power of the church. Do you believe in the breath of God? Do you want more of the breath of God? Do you want more of the breath of God? Then get in the Word.
The Bible tells us that in 2 Timothy chapter 3, all Scripture is breathed. God breathed. You want a breath of God in your life, get in the Word. And watch what He can do in your situation and in your circumstances. What I'm holding in my hand was breathed by God. And we look around us and we see creation and there's awe and there's wonder in the sights that we see. We're so amazed at his creation. And then we ignore, we ignore the word of God that is so accessible to us every day. Do you want more of the breath of God in your life? Get this open and allow him to breathe life into you into your circumstances, into every aspect of your life. It's available to you through the scriptures. I want you to go with me to Job chapter 26. Job 26, starting in verse 7. The Bible says that God stretches the northern sky over empty space, and he hangs the earth on nothing. He wraps the rain in his thick clouds, and the clouds don't burst with the weight. He covers the face of the moon, shrouding it with his clouds. He created the horizon when he separated the waters, and he set the boundary between day and night. The foundations of heaven tremble, and they shudder at his rebuke. By his power, the sea grew calm. By his skill, he crushed the great sea monster. And his spirit made the heavens beautiful, and his power pierced the gliding serpent. These are just the beginning of all that he does, merely a whisper, a whisper of his power. And who then can comprehend the thunder of his power? If the lightest breath of God can do what I just read, think about the breath of God in your life and what he can do. There is power in the breath of God. And I don't know if we fully realize and understand what that means. And in response to his word, in response to what we're hearing and seeing in creation and throughout the scriptures, and for us today, I want to take this time in response as we listen to a video and you hear the, the words of this song, you see the lyrics on the screen, I want you to be thinking, God, what is it in my life that needs the breath that comes from you and totally changes the, the, the situation, moves things from here and brings them over to here. Takes things that are that are dying or dead and brings them to life 
What are those circumstances for you? And as we reflect in that in worship, I just ask that the Holy Spirit would move across this, this place and that you would just allow him to speak into your life as we worship together with this song.
Look at what the breath of God did at creation. Imagine that same breath of God moving across this place and speaking to every need that's in this room. Working in our hearts, our homes, our marriages, and our health, and our circumstances. The breath of God is real and it's active today. And if you look at this verse in closing, in Acts 17, He is the God who made the world and everything in it. And He Himself gives life and breath to everything, and He satisfies every need. No matter what your need is this morning, I want to pray and ask that God would breathe upon that need. It's possible your need this morning is that that discussion of being born again and the Holy Spirit changing your heart and life, you've never had that in your life. And you're ready for God to come in and make you a new person and to save you from your sin. Then when we pray today, I want you to lean in to the breath of God and say, God, come and breathe upon my life and make me a new person. And if you're carrying a situation in this place, we're going to lift that up to the Lord and ask him to breathe upon that as well. And so will you bow your heads with me right now as we pray together in response. Father, I thank you as great as you are, as powerful as you are, as big as you are, and creating all that we see in this universe, you have a deep compassion for people. You want their heart. You want a relationship with them. So much so that you sent your son to this earth to suffer and die on a cross and breathing his last breath so that the breath of God could come upon us and give us life. We respond to that today. And Father, if there's someone listening right now that they don't have that relationship with you, Father, breathe upon their heart right now. Change their heart from one that walks in sin and disobedience to one that is changed as a follower of Jesus Christ. And if there's somebody that, that wants that in their life, I just ask that you'd pray with me. Father, come into my life. Change me. Forgive me of my sin. And please make me a new person. And today I surrender my life unto Jesus, and I want to live for him. And I thank you for this gift of salvation. Thank you. And Father, upon the many circumstances that might be in this room today, 
Maybe there's conflict within the home, conflict at work. Breathe upon those situations. Maybe there's a deep grief or depression. Breathe upon these circumstances. Maybe there's a child that's on somebody's heart. Father, breathe upon that child's life. Father, I pray for our marriages. I pray for the, the blessing of unity and innocence. And Father, that you would breathe upon our marriages. Breathe upon anxiety and fear, infertility and health issues. Father, breathe upon situations where people need answers and they need direction for their life. And breathe upon people that are in our hearts and lives that we know and we want them to come to know Jesus. Father, we thank you for the mighty breath of God to know that everything came into existence through your breath and you can speak into these circumstances today and we thank you for that. Move upon these, Lord, in the mighty power of Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.